Jesus, for this time we can gather around your table, Lord God. Hear songs of worship and praises and victory spilling over from the weekend, Lord. How we've heard of this great farmer, our Lord Jesus, that had a great desire and put seed down into this generation. And here we are, can come forth in the name of the Lord and we can touch one another and encourage one another as we look over the field tonight and see different ones that are being healed of physical conditions. Others being healed from other needs within their lives, their family. Lord, it's good to be a Christian tonight. On this midweek service, we want to put our all into this meeting and continue to feed around the table, Lord. Continue to draw from your presence, Lord, as we believe you're here tonight to minister individually to us. Oh, God, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do, and all that you're doing tonight. We just welcome you in this atmosphere of your word that we would feed around the table. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Can we say amen? Amen. Praise God. Psalms chapter 42. Thank you, musicians. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, nice to have brother and sister Iverson from Belgium here tonight. Brother Nathaniel's father and mother. We welcome you in the name of the Lord. And uh, their son, David Iverson, is now the pastor in, in Belgium. And so we just appreciate uh, men and women that can raise their families and others can carry on the torch. Are you carrying on the torch tonight? I know after tonight, some will be going on to other uh, places and uh, preparing for the long weekend. And uh, we just pray that God will bless you. Seems to be a little sickness coming through the land here, but uh, God bless you for coming out tonight. Some let us know they'd be streaming tonight. I just pray the Lord will bless them and Heal the people. Psalms 42 and then uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. uh, Just a couple places. uh, If we just uh, read in two places. Psalm 42, just verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I wonder if we could read those two verses out loud together. Would you mind doing that? Verse 1 and verse 2. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? How many has a thirst for God tonight? It's a painful desire. It's like having hunger pains. It's a spiritual appetite. May God stir that tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 4 in the New Testament. First Thessalonians chapter four, I'm going to give some testimonies just after you have your seats uh, in a moment. But we'll, let's read uh, in first Thessalonians chapter four, often read uh, thinking of the rapture. Verse 15, we'll just read till the end of the chapter. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, 
that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. That's us tonight. Are we alive and remaining? Alive and remaining unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Amen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're waiting for that day. It's called the resurrection day. Then we which are alive and remain. Here we are again. Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I like that verse. Praise God. Hallelujah. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. And we're taking out of verse 17. That phrase to meet the Lord in the air. Tonight we'd like to speak on consecrated for the meeting in the air. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with him. Comfort one another with these words. God bless you. You can have your seats. Not expecting to be long tonight. But we, uh, it's kind of hard to follow a visiting minister that's done so well. And so eloquent. So uh, the local ministry is back on duty. (laughs) And as you can see, for those that came in a little later, the baptismal is getting ready for uh, future victories. Amen. I know there's a couple in my heart that uh, I'd like to see in the near future. So maybe if you've waited for a brand new baptismal tank, you can be the first one. And that'd be wonderful. It's nothing like being the first one and maybe the last one. And then we can all go home. That's what we're here for tonight. Because there's a meeting in the air. And we have an appointment for that place. And I just want to give a couple testimonies right before we go into the word. And and we're going to be speaking on that consecrated for the meeting in the air. But um, some uh, months ago you might have heard of a sister down in the southern states that had cancer in her body. It's a deacon's wife. And uh, she had cancer throughout her, her system and went through treatments and months of agony and pain and went to doctors and all kinds of things. And I got a picture this week of her scan that just happened in the last week. And the doctor has already declared her in, com- in complete remission. We'd say complete victory, complete healing. God has touched our sister. To God be the glory. Thank God for that. And then some years ago, we visited a place uh, back east and uh, spoke, uh, showed a little picture, I think, of a little boy that had uh, severe autism. And some years have gone by. This little boy's seven years old, now almost eight years old. And and um, for those of you that know about autism, it, it can uh, be uh, affect a young person and people as they grow up. But uh, I just in the last week, I got a report that he this young man is tested normal or extremely close in all categories and almost completely caught up academically. And the professional that works with this young man said they rarely ever see this happen in such severe cases. 
This is a young man that uh, his mother is a single mother parent raising him in the message going to church and grandmother that loves God. This young man's been baptized in the last year and given his heart to the Lord. Just a real fine young man. And I talk to people in the educational field and also the medical field. It's very unusual to have someone that's so severe autism to recover and come back and actually be test normal. And I gave that for a testimony tonight to say, God cares. He's a compassionate father. And there's needs that people have on all spectrums of our bodies, our spirits, soul needs. I, I, I got a text from someone this week that uh, doesn't communicate with us and actually walked away years ago from the Lord. And I just got a text that they've been doing a lot of self-examination, God dealing with their life. I just say, praise the Lord. God's working in families. And maybe tonight you're, you know, there's, uh, things in your life or situation you need and this is why we have Wednesday night services. I'm holding tonight even in my notes, some notes of a young person that needs the Lord and doctors and all their diagnosis and what they say about that person. I have them. I'm holding him, holding that tonight in while I preach. I'm just believing God's gonna do a change. God's a miracle working God and He also can use healing too. And that takes time because you're kind of going through a time of suffering and hurting with the sheep. And and it's not easy sometimes. Just a few weeks ago, we spoke with uh, the same thing. We were preaching with some notes of a, of a family in our church and a service. And we ministered that service. And uh, within hours, God dealt with that individual. And there's been a complete turnaround in that family. I just believe that, friends. And don't lose hope and don't give up on God. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in our lives. And as we minister tonight, just believe that supernatural element can drop down in situations, maybe pass by your way and give us a greater thirst, a consecration for the meeting in the air. I'd like to speak about that. Brother Aaron shared with me this photo on the screen. A brother had shared it with him over the last weekend, and I asked him if I could share it to you tonight. This is a farmer that's working with the potatoes. And if you've ever worked with potatoes like a farmer, you have to get your hands dirty and get down in the dirt. We'll thank the Lord for uh, we're still farming in the rapture. And um, I let Brother Aaron know that tonight. He's back preaching tonight, and I guess we're all back where we're supposed to be. Amen. It's good to be a Christian. So tonight we're speaking on consecrated for the meeting in the air. And I felt to to take this on a personal step of consecration. And maybe speak from our heart that God would just work in all of us. We want each one of you to make it. That's what this church is all about. That's why we have meetings. That's why we sing songs. That's why we have camps, Brother Michael. That's why this baptismal tank is looking like this. Is because we believe God's going to allow souls to be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. A birth is still a mess. And we want to allow the new generation to have a birth among us. And it might be a mess. But you that are older, we, if you've been down that road, then we need to have the patience for it. 
And we need to ask God to help us as we get ready for that meeting in the air. Brother Branham was speaking about this in Chicago and talking about when the messengers came back from the tomb uh, that Jesus had been risen from the dead and he was alive among them and was going before them and that he would meet them at a certain destination, a certain designation. What a beautiful thing that is yet. That our Christ still goes before us. Brother Brown's talking about when Jesus ascended up. They, those angels came back and said, in like manner that you've seen him go, he's going to return back. Hallelujah. You might have done a lot of things today, but this is the most important time. We clock in for work. We do assignments at school. We have tests and exams, but we want to make sure we're ready for the meeting in the air. When the roll is called up yonder, we want to be a person that's ready to meet the Lord. And we want that to bring comfort to our hearts and not a fear. And not a cringing and like feeling like you could just disappear down into your shoes or kind of to get away from there. But as, as we speak about a consecration, it means to prepare yourself and be looking forward to something that's for you. God doesn't want you to miss this. So he's talking about when Jesus went up and then the angel said there's a designation. He's talking about in the air. I'll meet you in the air on that morning. And the church still believes it. The real true church of the living God were waiting for that change to come. When we watch the progress of his church, Brother Branham speaking in Chicago about the progress And I don't know how old that little girl was at this revival time. This was 1961 that uh, Brother Tom mentioned and Brother Aaron mentioned about the revival and the little girl that was uh, gave her heart to the Lord. That was the revival. But he said, when we watch the progress of his church, the seed of Abraham comes up like he did Abraham. And we're still waiting now for that great meeting in the air. Where we shall see him and caught up with those who've waited before us. They'll rise from the dead and will be quickened in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye to be caught up to meet him in the air and forever with him. We're still, we've still got a designation. That means you've been earmarked. You've been ticketed to be there. God has designated you. To be ready for the rapture. You're one of those men or women that he stirs your heart to be ready for the change. So he moves before he comes back. It'll be like a thief in the night to the world. But before he comes back, he's preparing the hearts of the bride so that that day don't catch you unaware. You're going to be ready. Do you believe that tonight? You've got a designation And we're to hold on to that and believe it with all our hearts. That's why we're working. If you can just put that up again, Brother Joe. Oh, it's still up there. Uh, The last slide is okay. We're still working tonight in the field. God's still farming. He's still working with us. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 together as we look at this scripture. I, I was reading in the rapture message today. Speaking about this scripture, when Brother Branham read this and spoke about 1 Thessalonians 4.17, 
And talking about uh, the, the verses that we read, um, let's just read verse 16 again. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And Brother Branham paused and he said, Jesus does all three of these things as he's descending. So the shout is a message to gather the elect. That's already happened for us. And then the voice, he said, was the voice of the archangel, is the same voice of the resurrection that spoke to Lazarus, speaks to the bride of Christ. And then with the trump of God, that's future. So for us to say tonight that we are in the rapture is a true statement. The rapture's already began for the believer. It's not just something as we're going to read in, in Luke 17, just in one day, it just all happens like that. The rapture's already began for us. Jesus has already started his descent. He does all three as he descends. That's a direct quote out of the rapture. So the shout was Jesus coming to the bride saying, I'm here, awakening us. With a voice to say, come out of her, come out of that world, come out of that denomination, and be separate, saith the Lord. Lazarus came forth, the bride came forth, and if he wouldn't have spoken your name specifically, everyone would have came forth. But he speaks specifically to you, some of you, those even around you didn't respond, but you responded. We ought to thank God for that. I could get into predestination here for a moment that it would probably be good for our children and our young people to hear this, to just encourage your heart that you are a seed of God by the very reality that God is dealing in your heart and seed shows that there's a seed there. If you have a desire for God and a thirst for God, we need to thank God for that. And this is what we're doing. We're working around the potatoes. We're hoeing around. We're letting you know of who you are in Christ. Verse 17, he's talking about this rapture cycle that we're in. Then we which are alive and remain, I'm glad there's going to be believers alive and remaining, shall be caught up together with them. That's the sleeping saints that has arose. Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Or speak these words consoling to the church. So they have somewhere to put their feet on. That it's not politics or the financial system or the educational system to put their feet on. Put your feet on the word. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Hebrews 12, 1. There's only a couple more scriptures we're going to turn to tonight. Let's make a personal step with one another. Hebrews 12, 1, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, one of the young ladies that had been born and raised in our church and now is in her 20s and now is a mother was speaking to me and talking about how when she was remembers in school she remembers going through public school and having that anticipation that at any moment the resurrection could happen 
They could come knocking on the classroom door and it's like she was raised up. And I remember being in seventh grade and eighth grade also with that same anticipation. I I remember sitting right in the front row in history class and just having that anticipation as a little boy that the resurrection could happen at any time. And if we're not careful as believers, that desire and that anticipation can start to sap out of our lives. Satan can rape us of that expectation. But I believe the word comes to put that back in our hearts. Do you believe that tonight? Put back that desire. Let our children taste and see that the Lord is good. Hebrews 12 verse 1 was Paul speaking about how we are encompassed about or surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, those that are alive and remain, let us lay aside every weight. Hebrews 12 1. Every weight and the sin, the unbelief, which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is spiritually. But I would ask Brother Paul Neighbor to run up here to the the pulpit. He's just had a knee replacement. This is first service back to the congregation. God bless you, Brother Paul. He's still recovering and he's in the house of God. But on that resurrection morning and when our bodies change... Uh, Even within our assembly, there's been knee replacements and hip replacements and ankle replacements and all kinds of eyeball things and ear things and uh, who knows what's going to happen. But there's going to be some apparatuses left on earth. Hallelujah. I've been around some people lately that's had some teeth work and a lot of crowns. And I was with a man yesterday. He's had 32 crowns in his mouth. He just bore, and he was just a nervous young man and always gritting his teeth and nervous and he just, and he just had his total mouth replacement. I tell you, for the believer, we are going to a place where we'll have none of that anymore. You know, there's not gonna be any doctors on duty in heaven. No pharmacists, no dentists are, are gonna be employed. We're going to a place of peace. We're not living in the millennium now. Some, somebody tell you that this is our millennium. We're disappointed if that's the truth. We're going to a millennium where Satan's going to be bound. A thousand years. And I want to consecrate myself for that expectation. Tonight's a very simple service. It's very fundamental. But if God could just trigger some of these desires in all of us to consecrate for the resurrection... I'm preparing for the body change. I'm looking forward to heaven. Say, what do you want for your 16th uh, birthday? Say, my, I'd like the keys to the car. Or I'd like a new iPhone. Or I'd like a new computer. But friends, it ought to be something in all of us. I'd love the change to happen. I'd love to be in heaven. Paul said, let us lay aside every weight. And the unbelief, the sin which was so easily get on to us. I'm speaking to a mature church tonight. Even as Holy Ghost filled believers, there's things that tries to jump into the ship. You got to kick them off the ship. You got to realize sometimes that Satan comes in like a flood. 
But then you got to turn and say, where's the standard of the word? Going to expose that rascal and get him out of here. That's a person that's consecrating themselves. They're preparing themselves and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, if you're writing notes or would like to look at this word uh, consecrated, I'll just put it back on the screen for you. Consecrated means to be preparing for it. It means to be making yourself ready and looking forward to the meeting in the air. It means personally... Because that's what I'm speaking on, a personal step of consecration. It means to be looking forward with holiness in your life, that it's something sacred in your life. And it's something you're hastening toward, and you're not cringing back. It's like, oh no, I'm not ready, or no, I'm not, I I, I wouldn't want the Lord to come, Brother John, or no, I don't want the resurrection to happen, I've got this going on, or... I'm just not where I ought to be, but a consecration means that the Lord put that in your heart where you're not cringing back, but you're heading toward that. It's a sanctified preparation. It's you laying aside the weights. It's like, I don't need that no more. I was thinking driving, my wife was driving me to service and we were listening to the rapture message I was thinking about how even for young people and children, how they grow up, even over the last weekend, I I was listening, I was just seeing some of the songs as I was preparing today of the close of Sunday service and Saturday night service, and the camera was just going through the congregation, I was just viewing some of our young people, some of our families, you know, you've grown, time goes on and things begin to make sense more. You know, you're not the way that you used to be. Sometimes somebody needs to say that to you. You you know, you used to be this and now you've grown and I can see that desire for God. I can see that God's been working in your life. I, I told someone today that had called during their lunch and they were in the desperate trouble. And I, we were just speaking to them and trying to encourage their hearts. But you know, sometimes it might be five years. Or maybe even 10 that a person literally checks out spiritually, clocks out. They just go down a road that's wrong. But if they're a seed of God, God is going to work with them and bring them back to consecration. And we don't want to have the attitude of the elder prodigal son's uh, older brother that was around the church and he was faithful and he didn't want to go in and, and rejoice. I mean, here this younger man coming back and he's wasted and been riotous and you all are welcoming them back like, you know, like nothing ever happened and you're just loving them and putting your arms around them and the elder son was kind of taken back from that. We know the Bible, don't we? And he kind of had an attitude, I'm not going in there. But the father went out to him and began to talk to him. And I I mentioned to the person on the phone, I said, the Bible doesn't say what happened after that conversation. But I hope that that elder brother went into the house. I hope that after the, the, the nature of the father got done dealing with that elder father, that he kind of humbled himself. Are we getting somewhere tonight? He had to consecrate himself. I don't know if it was in the barn or around the side of the house. But the father was dealing with that elder brother saying, come on, son. 
he put his hand on his, on his arm a little bit and said, I've had you for all these years. We've been rejoicing together and we could have had the fatted calf at any time. Now your son's been away and out of fellowship. Now they're consecrating and now they're coming back. And it's, it's like, are we so surprised that they're repenting? We're so shocked that the church would want them and, oh, we're so happy. Let's not have an attitude of the elder son that said, I'm not going in there. I think it's the time to let's all go in together. Let's consecrate ourselves. We want to be in the meeting in the air together. Do we all want to be there? And the meeting in the air is like a magnet that's going to gather the hearts of those that are alive and remain that have patiently been running the race. But it's also going to be a magnet to gather those that fell asleep in the faith. To consecrate means that we are hallowing the day. We are, or we would say, blessed is the day of the meeting in the air. Or uh, uh, it's a great day when it's going to be the meeting in the air. Let it not be something where we're always on pins and needles and don't know where we stand with God. But let the Lord bring us across the line and say, come on, daughter. Come on, son. Let's make a personal step of consecration where it's the individual begins to take this more serious. The token is for the family. But the individual, when they begin to be more serious, to take the serious that God's calling you. That's a personal step as we speak collectively. It's the charge or it's the charge of the family is let's meet in the air. I'm going to get into it in just a little bit later, but we're at a graduation season and time when people are making decisions about education and their careers and things. And and there's decisions that are being made and transitions that are going on. And we can speak collectively. We can speak individually, but it's a charge for the family and for the family unit that we want to be together at that meeting. But it's also a charge. For you that are single, that's your charge. Make sure that you are at that meeting in the air. It's for every person that, that's married tonight. That's your charge. Make sure whatever happens in your married life, that you're at the meeting in the air. It's for the older ones in our church. It's for the older ones in the message. Make sure that's your charge. That gives you energy to get up in the morning. That if I pass away or if I go and I sleep in Christ, I'll be one of those that resurrect. But if I'm kept alive here and on earth, no matter what happens in your life, in your single life, in your marriage life, in your family, on your job, whatever country you're raised and born in, the culture around you, you've got to come to a conviction. I'm going to be at that meeting in the air. And I'm going to consecrate myself. And maybe tonight's just the Lord Jesus putting his arm around all of us as a farmer and saying, come on, let's go. 
You've got to have that rock solid revelation. So that's the older ones, the younger ones, the, the ones that have, have had fractures in, in your, um, marriages. I, I gave the testimony. Yes. Sometimes as a father or mother or family that has a needy person in your family, you feel embarrassed. Sometimes you feel ashamed. Sometimes there's people around us that are going through things. They, they, they would feel embarrassed if somebody else knew that they even thought that or they were bearing that burden. I want to say tonight, the Holy Spirit knows everything. He's a loving father. He's compassionate in His Word. And God has put faithful farmers in your field to work around you. To make sure that you make it okay. Praise be to God. The token is for the family collectively. But for us all as individuals... It is the rallying cry. I must make it to that meeting in the air. I know Brother Tim is recovering tonight. Just uh, going through the faith challenge report. Is, it'll soon to be published. But it's the rallying point for missions. The meeting in the air, brother. The meeting in the air, sister. We're being prepared for the meeting in the air. That's why we have church. Right. It's why God surrounded us with a host of many witnesses. So because the word is putting Christ in perspective for us. I thank God for that. It's not a mystery no more. It's putting it in perspective. I put that in my notes today as I was sitting in my study. The word keeps the believer's life in perspective. The word has a way. Praise God. The word's going to go out tonight, whether we, whatever we use. Hallelujah. And there'll be no wires in heaven, brother. The word keeps the believer's life in perspective. And when we get sideways or we get going down a wrong path, the Lord's going to send out a word to correct the air. And that ought to be an encouragement to you. Stop having an attitude of they're on my case again or why I can't get away with anything. That's the tender hand of Jehovah. He's making sure that you're at that meeting in the air. The word keeps the believer's life in perspective. It keeps our outlook pure. It keeps our view stayed on Jesus. It gives our perception the way we ought to be looking at this. That God has a purpose for your life and you don't make a decision hastily. That's been spoken to our young people in the last few weeks at BCA by a visiting minister and, and by a minister that stood behind this pulpit a few weeks ago. And just in two days ago, that brother texted me and has had a life-changing decision he's made that will become public. But he's made a decision this week 
And he was here just in the last few weeks and with the brothers and spoke behind this pulpit. I trust that we're the right kind of influence for one another. That as we hit up against one another and bump up against one another, that we're leading one another in God's perfect will. Can somebody say amen? It's not emotion and what I think you ought to do and where you ought to go, but it's men of God and women of God being led by the Spirit. That sometimes you don't know they come here to minister and give out, but you are giving in to them. You are ministering to them and it clears up their perception. It clears up their view. It makes the, it makes the, the fighting field, it clears away the smog so they can go home and make a decision that will literally affect thousands of believers. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. See, there's a lot of things that the ministry's going through we would never say or things that we would never convey publicly. You might just think it's a little sermon tonight, but little do you know it's been born under uh, men of God that are burdened and are walking in the word. And it's just not off the cuff. It's, it's, it's men of God and women that have been trained by the Holy Spirit. Even this very verse here and, 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 and message I'm going to quote from. I'll just give you a little testimony in a moment. But Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2, because some might be wondering, where does this opening scripture uh, of Psalms 42 relate to the great meeting in the air? Uh, when the Bible's speaking about a thirst and a thirst for God. Brother John, what does that have to do with the meeting in the air? It has everything to do with it. God is working on that thirst that he put in your soul before you even born. As Brother Tom changed the song on Sunday that we read, it's before the foundation of the world. God put a seed in you. Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. As the heart, a heart, if you want to look it up as a deer, it's a deer. As a deer would pant after the water brooks. After it's been uh, the, the coyotes or the dogs. Are we in Psalms 42 verse 1? Uh, the wild dogs have tried to rip at its hamstrings, which is your prayer life. Tried to tear away at that little spot in the back that's so tender around the tail spot. And if a coyote or a wild dog can get at your hamstring, your prayer life, or get at that tender spot, that weak link in your life, that crack that is within all of our lives, that we've got to keep covered by prayer and the Word. That's why sacred trust that's been given to us, we consecrate that back to the Lord. But watch this little heart that's been bit at and got at by the enemy. It pants. I've got to get to water. I've got to get to a stream. I've got to get to a river. Comma. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. So now the psalmist is saying, like the deer that's been bitten and in distress, needs water, needs a fresh drink, needs a fresh perception. They need their mind to be washed and cleansed. So that is true. 
If you don't get to water, you're going to die. Yeah. So panteth my soul. Can we say our soul? Yes. After thee, O God. Or we have a need for God. And he said it in verse 2. My soul thirst for God. Thirst. I have a painful desire. This is the psalmist writing. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And if you'd like to read this chapter later, Brother Branham, when he read this in the message, Thirst, said that David wrote this when he was in distress. So now David is is writing Psalms 42 to the sons of Korah, by the way. To a generation that was not going to follow their father's lack of spiritual leadership Oh, I know this is another subject, but the book of Numbers said the sons of Korah died not. And this whole Psalms was written for the sons of Korah, the, which became singers and those within the church that opened the doors, doorkeepers, keepers of the house of God. Years went by and there became a seed in the message. That David was ministering to saying, keep your thirst pure, keep your heart pure. And we just think, oh, it must have been at a time when David was just sitting, strumming his little harp on a rock. No, Brother Branham said he was in distress. And true believers come to seasons of distress. Paul spoke about it in the New Testament. Brother Branham spoke very freely about times in his own personal life when he got disappointed or misunderstood or he would go through personal things. I'm not going to get into that. But in this time of distress is usually when God takes a man or a woman, it brings the best out of you. I'm, I'm just these next few comments are out of the message thirst. So when you're going through a time of distress, it brings the best out of you. When we, and he's talking about fasting and things. Many times we get ourselves into a position to where we get ourselves out of the way. And I think David got into those places when he began to meditate on the Lord and begin to think about the things. Many times God gets us in tight corners where we have to look up. Sometimes we even have to get on our back in the hospital or a bed somewhere where we can look up to see where the great blessings of God comes from. Can we do that tonight without being in a hospital bed? Sometimes God will break the lambs a leg to get the attention of the mother. You say, why is that happening to my children? Why is my family going through this? To get the attention of the mother. To get the attention of the father. Oh, he loves fatherhood. The reason that I I mentioned this out of the message thirst was some years ago, Sister Ruth Weber is here. And she was a counselor that year. She has been in many years of of, uh, our young people at camp. And she wanted to have the messages printed out for all of her campers in her room that year, thirsting for God, the message thirst. And so from that time, Sister Ruth, I've appreciated how people work with the young people to trigger those thirsts, working with the least desire. 
That's why I believe it was the Friday night or Saturday morning of winter camp. God was working on, if you have the least desire, don't give up on that least desire. If God put a knock in your heart, thank God for that. In fact, I pray tonight, Lord, turn up the volume of that little faint knock and let it become so loud that it will literally knock Satan's voices and rings out of the ballpark. Out of the field. Just knock him out of the playing field. And I remember that, Sister Ruth, because it, it begins to speak about those that are in leadership to work with the young, to work on that thirst, work on that desire. I think it was Saturday morning, wasn't it? Friday night. And how he was talking about the least desire. I, I want to say this tonight. Brother Ken and Sister Joyce Andes are here, my father and mother. And I've had the privilege of being raised in the message. And I want to thank God for that. We have young people and children in our church and that will hear this message or stream or even older ones. I think it's a privilege to be raised in this atmosphere. I think it's an honor by God to be raised in a message home. We haven't missed a thing that the world has to offer. I have no desire for those things of the world that they call great. And you say, well, I do, or I'm struggling with those things. We just need God to turn up the thirst and turn up the love. You say, I lost the love. God can put that love back in a minute. God's a creator. God can walk into a room and turn on the light. Talking about thirst. When a person gets in distress and they begin to realize I'm out of it or what I'm doing is fruitless. The path I'm going down is just aimless. And they get in a distressful time. Maybe it's even a believer. Let me go that side that gets into distress and they're trying to make the right decision. And they're trying to go in the right way of how to handle this. And that's when times when you get by yourself, you start getting out of the way and start meditating on God and begin to think about things. Many times God gets us in tight places where we have to look up. And he's speaking about thirst and thirsting for life and how thy word and thy statutes are more precious to me than life. Let me just ask you, wouldn't that be great again if God would do that for you? And just bring some of the older ones back to that freshness and back to those moments when God was fresh in your life. If we're not careful, time goes on and it just becomes the same of the same old. And hurts pile up and the dirty laundry of things start mounting up. And we get into a place that you say, I'll never get out of that. I'll never recovery. And that's nothing but a lie of the devil. And I'll say this tonight. We have little branches and little green branches that are coming up among us. That deserve to hear the gospel with a freshness. And with water coming down that can spark the heart that would say, I want to serve that kind of a God. When you look up this word thirst, it means a painful desire 
something so bad until it becomes painful to you. And he said, it's not unnatural for you to have a thirst. It's a natural thing. He's talking about natural things that God's given individuals a control tower that sets inside of you that controls these different desires. God's put that in a person's heart to warn you of desires. But spiritually, God has put a little control tower in you to warn you. To warn you. Don't go down this road. There's two different kinds of thirst he talks about. A thirst physically. And then there's a thirst spiritually. And David was saying, my soul thirst for God, for the living God. If I could say what the world would say today on their internet and on movies, in their, in their sites, it would be, they love sport. They love world They love education. They love money. They love women. They love men. That's Satan perverting natural thirst and bringing it to a perversion where it's not natural anymore. Brother Branham said God gives the control tower to you to give you the things that you need. And that control tower is in you and it directs you. And this control tower tells you what you have need of, spiritually speaking. The control tower in the body and in the soul. There's a control tower in the body that tells you that you have needs that's needed in your body and it brought you to a thirst. There's a control tower in your soul that tells you spiritual things that you have need of. Something in your spirit. Now he's going into these realms. Something in your spirit. And you by this can tell what kind of a life is controlling you. He said, when you see what your desires are, then you can tell what kind of something that's in you that's creating this desire that you have. There's a certain thing that you thirst for, and it can tell you in your soul what this desire is by the nature of the thirst that you have. He said, I hope that you understand that. And he says about this control tower of the soul and the body, each tower is warning, a warning caller for the needs of the other. Each one calls to the need of what the caller is calling for. And it sends out a wave. It sends out a wave. It sends out a wave. Of a warning. And he's talking about even fleshly desires that are in the body. And how the spirit desires for certain things. We don't have time to go into a lot of this, but... Here's really the crux of it. He said, that's a great trouble today is when too many people try to live between these two desires. That's the trouble that we have today is where people try to live between those two desires. I would say tonight is a good night Uh to consecrate yourself toward the meeting in the air and just say, God, I want to live from the soul realm. I want to live from the Holy Ghost realm. I want to live from the word realm. Can you say amen? Maybe just wrestle with your heart. I tell you, the title for the tonight service came to us weeks ago. And I wrote it in a little notepad in my van as I drive and listen to Brother Branham or listen to a message. That's where this message came from. Consecrated for the meeting in the air. 
And I was thinking about Jacob and how he wrestled with the angel. Individually, personally, he had to wrestle it out with the angel. Moses saw the burning bush himself. And we see individually, Saul, which became Paul, had the pillar of fire personally. The angel came to Mary. None of this is in my notes. Praise the Lord. It was personal. But they had to consecrate themselves. They had to give themselves. They had to say, Lord, I want that desire to be traumatized in my life. I've used this quote in the last week, maybe a couple times in the last weeks, concerning young people or young adults in relationships and things, courtships and marriages. And Brother Branham, in the same message of thirst, said, it's like a young man and a young woman. It's not unnatural for a young man and a young woman to love one another. It's a thirst for love. It's their age. And they love one another. And it's not unnatural... That's just a natural thing for them to do that. He said we find many things in life that we live in the natural body that we thirst for. It's just something sets in us. And we want to do it. And we absolutely feel that it's necessary. And it's necessary that we do it. That's right after he speaks about a young lady and a young man having a desire and having a love for someone else. That's a natural thing. And I believe as parents and as leaders that have been called to help our young people and children and young adults through this fragile time, that we encourage them that that's not an unholy desire. It's a God-given desire to have a mate. It was God that said, it's not good that man would dwell alone. It's not a good thing that a young lady passes the, the, the beauty of her youth. And the fragrance of her youth. That's the time to say, God, help us, Lord Jesus. To create the right kind of appetites. Oh, you're getting really quiet. But even in our families and even in our North American culture, it can come to a place where that's pushed aside. And it's later, it's later when it's the will of God. And it's God's purpose and it's not unnatural. It's Satan that comes in and perverts those desires. Satan comes in and causes a natural thirst and he perverts it. Hungers that are natural, appetites that are natural. And Satan will come in there and by media and by worldly influence pervert that desire. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. This is our last scripture for tonight. As time has gone on and years have gone on in Cloverdale here, you and I begin to understand and accept the responsibility of one another. That it's not just us and my family or our own individual needs that we're a body. Are we a body? On Monday, I was just in prayer Monday morning and it came into my heart as I was planning to take Brother George to the airport. Uh, Brother George flew on Monday back to Angola, Africa, and his dear wife and four children are here and have come to our church and 
to attend our church and go to the church school. Because men have a burden to have their families under care. Under the watchful eye of godly teachers and ministry. That can be good farmers. And they're willing to live alone. And they're willing to be separated from their wife and family. Because they have a trust in the field. They have a trust that we're not going to apply too much here and not enough there. I thank God for that. It's been put into our trust. Can I just get personal for a moment? On Monday morning when I was in prayer, I thought of our family and the years that uh, father, my father and mother, when they felt to move our family to Cloverdale and the many trips that were back and forth and the airlines and the airports and back then before 9-11, uh, people could go all the way to the gate. Uh, uh, I trust this is okay, me being personal. People could go all the way to the gate and say goodbye to their loved ones. And I remember countless times having to go to the gate or being in the airplane ourselves and a father and a mother, a husband and a wife that had chosen to make a decision spiritually for their family. But it comes with a cost. And it comes with putting a value on a consecrated call that my children have got to be in an atmosphere. And the countless times of a mother and a father with their hands on an airplane window or on on the window of an airport showing their love until we meet again. And I had to go, Sister Hope. To take Brother George to the airport and and their lovely family. Because we've been born with this compassion. And we've been raised with this kind of understanding and love. That we are a body and we need to bear one another's burdens. Let's look in Luke 17 how we can see Jesus describing the age that we're living in. And how it would become so perverted. Even from Noah's day. Luke 17 verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, or the same as, also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Sounds like our day. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. That's, this is our day. It is reflecting what is going to be the landscape when the messenger comes, which is Christ, to break the seals for our generation. It's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. Like it was in the days of Sodom. Or in the days of Lot, when think when people had their appetite so warped and twisted. Sure. Verse thirty, Luke seventeen thirty. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now this is a deep subject, but and for many many years I, I just feel to slow down. I I felt as I put this in my notes. You know, many times as ministry or even as a older assembly, we can say, we've gone through that, or we've preached that, or 
But don't you realize two years goes by, five years goes by, ten years goes by. We have sons, we have daughters, we have new ones that come in among us. Don't you remember older ones, how fresh it was years ago when God made these scriptures alive to you? Then it's not fair that we just go so quickly and gloss right over. Our children deserve to hear that as it was in the days of Noah, that's why it is this day. Their minds are on evil continually. And they want to tell you what you're supposed to think, where you're supposed to go, when you're supposed to go. But there's a little bride saying, I'm not going to go there. If we would have been in Noah's day, we would have been like Enoch and we would have been like Enoch and was not. If we would have been with Noah's group, we would have been on that ark and we would have floated above the judgment. If you look in the verse uh, 28 and 29, it talks about the days of Lot. In verse 29, it mentions the days of Sodom. And we know that it was homosexuality and perversion and evil. Verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That is this day. That is this message. That is Christ coming to us. It's going to be that way when He reveals Himself. Tonight we're speaking about the rapture, the coming of the Lord, and the meeting in the air. Jesus is bringing all of that into our day. And it's not a 24-hour day like that day. It's a season and a time as it was in that day. So it will be in our day. You say, that happened all the way back in those years? Absolutely. It's still happening tonight. When Christ reveals His message to a young, tender heart, that is the day of the revealing. Hallelujah. Verse 31. Jesus is describing in that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff, his stuff in the house. Let him not go down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. In other words, it's just stuff. You put it in bags. You put it in your garage. People build bigger houses, more stuff. They have garages for their cars and boats and RVs and trailers. Don't get me wrong. But that's the day we're living in. It's just stuff. Brother Ricard Van Inter, just wave your hand back there. Brother Ricard Van Inter brought, uh, uh, he threw away a lot of his stuff. Trophies and things that his family had had given thousands of dollars in sacrifice for him to be an athlete. And and he finally just got it down to a bag and brought it into BCA, brought it into the young people, just poured it out on the ground. It just stopped. It's trophies. He picked up this and picked up this trophy and this article. The best in South Africa, the best here. It just stopped. And he just kind of kicked it. It's just stuff. Right. Jesus called it stuff. 
Can I say this tonight? Make sure you're not being held down by a bunch of stuff. Consecrate yourself to something that can let you go. Let you go to the meeting in the air. Hallelujah. To when the meeting in the air, when the buzzer sounds, you can say, I'm ready to go. Let it be a voice tonight to all of us to consecrate ourselves for the meeting in the air. Jesus is speaking about this in verse 31. Verse 32, a very short verse, but very powerful. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. She was related to the prophet. She knew Abraham. Lot was his nephew. Sarah was beautiful, beautiful wife. And Lot's wife, she wanted to be popular and be in the society. She wanted to go down. She leaned that way. She pressured Lot that way. I'm going to say it again. She pressured Lot that way. So when it came a time for the word to get out of her, the Bible literally said the angels had to drag him out of there. It's very much an incredible thing. She looked back and looked back and became a pillar of salt. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Can we say it tonight? Don't let that be your testimony. You're better than that. Lay aside every weight. Do you agree it would have been better for Lot's wife to stay more homely? And in the tents of the message and with the prophet, she lost her own testimony. Her son-in-laws never came out. Her society never came out. She wanted to cut her hair. She wanted to trim her hair. She wanted to wear the pants. It affected Lot. It affected his whole family. It affected the future. It affected the Moabites and the Ammonites for years later. What is it? It's because of a lack of faith. A lack of revelation. Right at the coming of the Lord. Remember Lot's wife. Let it be a check and a warning. Hallelujah, friends. On that great day, if every person in this building made it, wouldn't that be great? It'd be fantastic. To know that all of you laid it aside in your life. You made it. You consecrated yourself. Let's finish this. Whosoever, verse 33, shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. That means if you lose your life to Christ, you shall preserve it. Meaning surrender your life to Christ and you're going to have eternal life. I tell you, now this is more than drama. This is Jesus. I tell you in that night, there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. One shall be taken. Can I say tonight, one is going to go to the meeting in the air. One is going to be changed. And the other left. Two men shall be in the field. One shall be taken. And the other left. 
And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Matthew 24 says, Wherever the carcass is, that's wherever the word is. That's wherever the word is, that's where the eagles are going to gather. Oh, friends, I hope that you are consecrating yourself in your home life, in your personal life, in your family life. I hope we take these messages that we hear across the pulpit and take it home with us. It's the whole reason and purpose for us being here. Can I have just a couple more minutes before we go out into this May night. That's the whole reason of us being here. It's the whole purpose of everything. It's to make sure we're prepared for the meeting in the air and to take others with us. Is that true? I love Brother Ricard bringing all his trophies. I mean, there's some that just aspire to be a soccer star. They just gave it up and walked away. So can you. So can you give it all up for Christ. Some of you might not realize, but just a few services ago, we had a man sit in our church. Been around the message for a long time. But he had just signed a contract for a major professional team. Sat right in the service. Heard the same message as you did. Same message as I did. And he's right in that valley of decision right at that moment. And he could have made a choice. And he made a choice. And there's others that are maybe struggling in your grades or struggling with your looks or struggling with some demon spirit that's telling you you're nothing and no good. And, and many, that's where the trouble is. They're, they're trying to live between those two desires. If I could say this tonight and influence anyone here, value the presence of God. Put a great value on the Word of God. Whatever your future is and wherever you go, make sure it's God's perfect will. That when the roll is called up yonder, you can be ready to leave. In conclusion, just a few examples. You know, there's a lot of athletes and sports stars, professionals. They train. They diet. They spend finances. They prepare for the event. We would say, uh, we would say they consecrate themselves. They focus on the goal. I've got to have this. Or there's those that elevate education. And they spend the most quality time of their youth, the prime time of their life, studying and applying themselves and sacrificing family and friendships to get a degree, to get an achievement. That's their goal. That's what they fight for. That's what they wrestle for. And lastly... We see it in the media realm and the entertainment world. And I'm not going to glorify them one moment. I'll give them about one minute. 
But people in that realm that work in the entertainment realm and media realm, they will do many things to blend their lives into a certain role, a certain person. They'll blend to be a certain thing. Their whole life is consumed with that. They become obsessed with that. With a certain thing. They just got to have it. I got to achieve this. And if they can do that for sports, if they can do that for education, if the world can pervert that thirst that God put in them for God and pervert it and become obsessed for worldly things, why is it so wrong that you and I as believers become obsessed with the things of God? What about the bride with spiritual things? If they can do that for natural things, what about us for spiritual things? And to the point of being misunderstood, I'll say, God help us to be more obsessed with the Word of God. (coughs) As we come now to the end of the service, and at this time of the year, we speak about a lot of graduation times and A lot of invitations are going around and I appreciate that and ones that we appreciate and the believers are coming to the end of grades or making school choices. Some right in this church service tonight have been on the top of their class and they've got uh, certain um, things that shows that they have high aptitude and they've given themselves and they're going to further education and their careers are out there and the world is calling to them to be a success. They're making life choices. Right in this very May time, in this very June, we are launching our young people to the world. Literally. We can hold them. We can protect them. We can be like like the ground around a potato. Just cover them and nurture them. But there has to come a time when they make a personal decision and choice of where they're going. I trust this assembly could help support me while I'm closed in the service. We do need to support them in their life decisions and in education and in their careers and the things that God would have. And many of them are making decisions about relationships and about their family. It's already in their minds and it's already in their hearts about marriage and the direction they want to go, even some about what church they're going to attend. These are decisions. These are life choices of their friends. What Am I going to buy a house? Am I going to rent a house? And all those things are fine. But keep the main thing the main thing. Don't let your heart deviate from the center of the road. There's a little warning buzzer God put in you that if you get out of balance or start putting too much in another way, that's the Holy Ghost in you. Don't kill the voice. Don't shoot the voice. It's the faithful Holy Spirit. I pray that we nurture that voice. There was a young lady in her 20s that called me the other day. We spent about 45 minutes speaking. It was a young lady that for many years did not serve the Lord. She was not walking the way she should, even though she was raised in the message. 
But in the last year, she's given her heart back to the Lord. And I thank God for that. From out of her own mouth, she said, and all the trouble that I put my parents through. Even as a 20-year-old, she recognized the things she said and what she had done. And all the things that she had put her parents through. We put one another through things. But there comes a day that God begins to make these things alive to us. And life begins to take on another meaning. Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the presence of God and the Word as the number one thing. Wherever you go, whatever you do, and wherever the little journey of your life, and whatever pathway, whether it's uphill, downhill, maybe there's a bunch of steps and maybe there's a lot of burning dumps on one side and you see family over there and on the other side it seems like another way. Make the right choice. Don't back up. I'll quote Brother Branham. He said, just stay steady. He said, keep yourself ready. Purge your heart from all evil thinking. And he said, have faith in God. I hope that it becomes more than sermons. And that it's not just good enough for us to bring one another to church. But we can really come to Christ. Have faith in God, he said. No matter how dark it looks. And how many laughs and makes fun and says you've made a mistake. This is a prophet. He said, just keep right on living holy and living for God. Just keep moving on. The hour will arrive. He's talking about the meeting in the air. You can look all through the message. This is in Revelation of Jesus Christ. I have, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. I have at thy word, Lord, in all kinds of places. Brother Branham talks about the meeting in the air. The meeting in the air. There's going to be a meeting in the air. Consecrate your life. I feel like I'm closing in a graduation speech. Here you go. Make sure when God calls your name that you're ready. To walk across the stage of life. And don't be ashamed. We got an invitation for one of our young believers down in Seattle. And the, the graduation is going to be in the Tacoma Zone. Whether the Tacoma Zone. Z- dome. <laughs> Where Brother Brown is still his own. Where Brother Branham preached and there's thousands and thousands of people going to be there. But I tell you what, when that young lady, when her name is called... That's one person out of those thousands of people that when that name is called up in heaven is going to get some noise. Everybody's going to have noise in their lives. It just some's going to be on the wrong side. Some's going to be screaming and howling and gnashing of teeth. And I heard Brother Branham and I read him today said, there is no eternal hell. But it will be for thousands of years. And in more than one place, he said millions of years. People will suffer. I said, God, help us. 
We hardly ever hear a sermon preached on hell. I'll be honest with you. There's hardly ever a sermon preached on hell or on the lake of fire. This generation don't want to hear that. It's like they close it off. They shut it out. Don't talk to us like that. But the bride knows there is a hell. There's a lake of fire. And for those that don't go in the rapture, there will be a tribulation. Don't miss the rapture. Whatever you do, lay aside every weight. You don't need that for the rapture. On Monday night after we'd gone into Vancouver and came back home, and our little family, I'm looking for the time somewhere. Oh, goodness, I've gone over my time. Can I just say this? We listened to a little bit of the first seal. And in the first seal, Brother Branham was talking about the reformers and how the reformers through the ages, they could sense that something had gone wrong. And they were men of God that were reformers. And they would stand before the church and preach messages. And another age would start. But they were reformers. They weren't major prophets. They were reformers. They were preachers. They caught the burden of the hour and where the church was headed. They were reformers. But Brother Brown went on to say, there is no more reformers. There will come a day, and that's the day that we're living in, when God sent a prophet. Christ came in this generation. And there will not be more reformers to start another age. He said, there is no other age. No other church age. We've reached the end. So all those people you might see on the internet or on the, on the television or out there that are crying for a revival and crying out, they're reformers. But the bride has already heard the message come up higher. And I want to say this tonight to every person. Brother Branham has already come and preached to us the message. There's not another message preacher. There's not another message church that the, you gotta go to or stream that service or be under this certain pastor. We have been under Malachi 4. We are under the labors and ministers that labor with us. But we are not under reformers that just catch the need and where the church is headed to just reform. We've heard a transforming message. It's back to the message. And it was at that moment that we just turned off the tape and just spoke to our family personally. Where we're at in the message, for someone to leave the message, go out into the world and leave this message. And there, there will not be another message for that person. There will not be a reformer that goes in and grabs them out. Christ came to bring us out. And our hope is in the Lord. It's not in a preacher, a church. It's in Christ alone. Let's stand on our feet tonight. The farmers are working again. It's back to the local ministry now. We're talking local things now. Is that okay? Who wants to be part of that meeting in the air? Oh, my loving brother. Brother Joseph, can we sing that song 496? (laughs) There's going to be a meeting in the air. Can we sing that? I know it's a little bit of upbeat song. And 
little bit peppy, they'd say, but maybe to help some of us to get home tonight. There's going to be a meeting in the air. Hallelujah. We'll wait for our musicians. Brother Derek, can you come on up and help us? Mm, Y'all know the first verse? You have heard of little 